You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Can All we right. Have, good morning, everyone. Can we have my people on, on my side? All right, that's okay. <laughs> there, might, there, might, there might not be enough seats on my side. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Just please, if your if your cell phone goes off, you officially join the debate. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for uh, um, coming. I want to thank Rabbi Kivalevitz for um, coming all the way from the other side of the world, not known as the uh, New Jersey area, and uh, for joining us for it's been a beautiful Shabbos, and. Um, this is the final final leg within this uh, long and very enjoyable Shabbos, and uh, it's, gone, it's gone by like, uh, and like it, pixie dust. What we're doing t- today is um, we're calling it we call it the Chabrusa. What this does, it takes us back to. Some of you may remember this uh, about 15 years ago. Rabbi Kivalevitz and I had a radio program together called the Chabrusa. Where we would basically I, discuss. I, I, I think I think those uh, waves are just hitting Neptune now, so it could be some people they're picking it up over there somewhere. Right, uh, we'll wait for the riots from Neptune. Uh, so uh, uh, we were basically much like chavrusas, as we find in in the uh, oldest of times, uh, where chavrusas would debate and discuss, and through that, each side would come to a clear understanding. Um, minus the bruises and welts uh, of the topics being discussed, and so uh, very much uh, recalling that with uh, with great fondness, I'd like to um, um, just uh, speak for a minute about that. You know, the uh, radio used to some of the, the kids here. Let me explain to you what a radio is. It's this, <laughs> it's, it's this box where voices would come out from, very similar to what the uh, iPod is today, except. Uh, and um, we, we were asked to um, create this show, and uh, Rabbi Kibbalatz and I put it together. We had uh, some help from some great people then, including my uh, stepfather, Jeff uh, um, Olesha. Um, and uh, it, it was very popular, and I always miss it. And Baruch Hashem, we have the opportunity to go back to it, even if uh, just for a moment. So. Um, I'd like to um, raise the first topic, if I may. So well, let me, you should, you let me take, get your, into you should my... take your seat and uh, get into battle mode here. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. So, so the first topic I want to raise with you is okay. it, in Eretz Yisrael, there is a big struggle between the religious and the non-religious. Uh, basically, the non-religious will sometimes feel that there's some religious coercion on the part of the religious, uh, not just in the areas of the fact that the religious seem to have this control over uh, who is Jewish, as you mentioned yesterday, and, uh, and Gitin and Kedushin, the divorce, marriage and divorce, but even more so, it, it seems that the religious insisting on um, stores closing on Shabbos and buses not running on Shabbos and you can't get a flight um, into Eretz Yisrael um, or out on Shabbos and there, for them it seems like it should be a day when they should be able to take advantage of their day off and so they feel that the religious are um, insisting or putting their personal uh, perspective on things and forcing them to do this right, so I, why, I, let me interrupt you 
first off, why would you call that coercion? I'm not sure why they're being coerced. Nobody well, is being forced. Well, if I can't get a bus, something. if I can't get, uh, if I can't go to the store and get what I need, why is that? Why is that not? So the, the lack of being able to do something is called coercion. I don't think so, right? Well, when when you're, we, you're when putting we, your force into it, you're putting, uh, um, you're getting behind the laws, you're controlling the government, and basically forcing the government to arrange it in a way where it has to be done this way. Or maybe again, those of you that remember the the, the laws that closed buildings and closed businesses here in the United States uh, on Sundays, right? Whatever those, what they called again, everybody? The blue laws? Right? Um, So those laws were not considered religious coercion. They were actually perceived as a respect to a large uh, minority or majority uh, for them to be able to practice their religion a certain way. The, The people who were not subscribing it was, they weren't doing it, but they weren't being coerced to, uh, to actually I think in, in Israel it's different. You're talking, about, you're talking about buses not running. You're talking about the country not functioning in the same way. I mean, if it was up to the religious, we wouldn't have the same kind of system with the, with the electricity and the water and all that. But what second? We wouldn't have, okay. I mean, that, we wouldn't have a system... No, they would make arrangements to have it run otherwise, to have it run by um, non-Jewish people and things like that. So, but but, but let's focus on on the Shabbos part. In in terms of the Shabbos, when you change, you're bringing in your religious ideals. And it could be with the blue laws. You had uh, basically that, that kind of people who had this understanding that whether we like it or not, this country was built by people of a certain religion who felt that uh, this was... Right, this it was the blue laws are actually seen as a means for uh, the accomplishment of a religious life by a certain uh, minority. The same way we would close off a street uh, uh, for, the, for a gay pride parade, right? That doesn't necessarily mean uh, that we are coercing people uh, to, uh, to shutting agree. down the streets and shutting down a whole country is not the same. But it's basically an aspect of the same principle. But, no but, but I, I'm asking more about you see you have this struggle. You have you have the people who are feeling like they are religious, being religiously coerced, and if you want to use a different word than coerced, they're being um, religiously controlled, uh, okay, or so even the feeling or the, is okay. So really, and then you have so, the religious people who feel yeah. like you if you don't do this, then you're undermining the even the definition of a, an identity okay, so, of the Jewish so you, state. So you, there, now you said something which is which is important. Now which is <laughs> I have to call it the way I see it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> verbiage does not make uh, content. But here's the thing that <laughs> okay. Feeling, right, this is what, as Rabbi Warch is saying, you know, again, we're trying to shut out everybody, or this is like, I don't, I don't have the uh, earphones on anymore, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Just and, try not to shut me out. <laughs> so nobody can listen to you. You are a, 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 ver- a veritable rock, I think, as uh, your history here has proved. Um, but here's the point. Uh, feeling is, is the important word. The feeling, and, and, and as we know, uh, what is the feeling that causes the upset? The feeling that causes the sense that we are not getting along and that uh, we're upset at each other and things. Well, so we really have to, I think, analyze why is it that the, the secular 
not yet religious, if you want to use that term. I don't know if I want to use that term. But the secular Jews uh, have this feeling, and the religious Jews, Haredi Jews, whatever term you want to use, why is it that feeling of discord uh, that is prevalent there? So that's really, we have, to, we, have to, we have to pull back and understand where that feeling is coming from. Right? Because it's the feeling that causes the, the, the lack of, of civility. It's the feeling that causes the, the issues to become larger than they are. So what is that, what is that about? What is that, where does well, that feeling come you're, from? You're, you're trying to make, uh, the question of how much religion should be affecting the way the country runs based on general issues of the how the religious see the non-religious and the non-religious see the religious. Right. I think we have to we have to realize that there are some core points, and I think again, so it, it's much bigger. What, what what core points are you referring okay, to? Okay, so we'll, let, let's start with one of them, which I think is the is 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 is, is, is primal. And that, of course, is the idea of national service, specifically the idea of serving in the army. Now, Mitzvahem, you know, I know your 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 children. Who knows where they're going to go? I can say with great pride, my son, of course, who did serve in the Israeli army, I did get a sense of what it means to be a soldier in the Israeli army and the difficulties of being an American parent having a soldier in the Israeli army during the Gaza war where, um, and, and I, we can, you can, me and my wife, we can both attest to that type of anxiety. Now, every single Israeli uh, family that sends a child to war or sends a parent to war has that. The sense that the people, that their neighbors do not have that. The sense that they have that uh, crucible to live with and that their fa- these other families don't that already is a, a creates yeah, a feeling I, I that feel makes like, it impossible. I feel like the, the army issue is always brought in. You know, like this old couple. I remember what you did, you know, twenty years ago. Um, the, this, this keeps getting thrown around as a response to every time there's a debate about how something should be done. And you say, well, they send their kids to the army. They, they don't send their kids to the army. That is an issue. It's an issue, but it has to be dealt with. But you can't. You can't say, well, because of that, we can't deal with the issues of how to handle Shabbos in the country and how to handle um, all religious aspects of the country just because there is this other existing issue okay. uh, of the army. One second. It's not just... Uh, it, it, it's, it's bigger than the issue itself, not only because the fact that it leads to, in, in, and unfortunately, uh, too large of a percentage of cases to the death or maiming or wounding of, of a family member, um, and that is something which it goes beyond, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a sacrifice which we can't even comprehend. Uh, but I think it's, you know, we, uh, one of the reasons why we did this show, and one of the reasons why we called it the Chavrusa, and why I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes better than uh, some of the other types of debate shows uh, that you sometimes listen to on the radio, is that there at least is a commonality between the people that are speaking, right? And we, we, you mentioned in your introduction that we call it Harusa because when people come to learn, whether it's Shammai and Hillel, Yochan or Ishlokish, whether it's Abai and Rova, we're... we're Amos, we're, Amos and Andy. <laughs> All right. Listen, Kingfish. I'm I took not, one of your okay. references. I, I, I've got my sapphire here. But here's the point. You're not going to beat me on old-time radio. Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's... I wasn't going to say Hannity and Combs. <laughs> yeah, right. But here's the, here's the point. 
we can talk because we know that there's things that separate us. Sometimes there are people who come into the room that are so, uh, again, I don't know what happened in Hamburg, uh, over there across the pond, but sometimes people, when they're talking with each other, they are so di- they're so far apart. There's issues before that. So whenever they talk about, it becomes shouting and screaming. There's other people that, again, we know that we have a little bit of a different perspective, maybe even a very subtle and, and, and strong perspective difference, but we know that the conversation might move some of us, and therefore the conversation and, and, and the negotiations and the discussions can actually become something. What we have in Eretz Yisrael, unfortunately, and the, and the army issue is just part of it, is, is, a, is a disconnect where conversations really don't even matter. Uh, and, and therefore, anything is, is, is perceived as coercion and as paras- parasitism and all these so other So you're agreeing it is, it is coercion? Uh, it, it isn't. You didn't hear what I said. I said it's perceived that way and it becomes an angry shouting match because they're not talking to each other because there's an inherent angry feeling. Yeah. That's what I said about ten minutes ago. Okay, so that's really what we need to uh, we need to reach I, into. I still think the, the, the army issue is being dealt with. It's being dealt with. There are some taking different approaches. Some want to introduce a way that those people can serve, and then and the fact that there are people who are just using it as a as an excuse and all these other things. It, it is an issue. It is being dealt with, but we still have to stick to this issue, which is. Uh, which needs to be seen as separate, which is how do we resolve the problem of people feeling like in their day-to-day without... We can't just throw the topic or any discussion out of the room because we're saying we've got this overhanging issue which is hanging between us. How do we deal with the problem that um, some people are saying, why are you putting these religious things on us? We don't believe in this stuff. While there are other people who are saying, without this... Without this, I mean, okay, put in simple questions. I mean, according to the religious, what they're really asking is, how do you have a Jewish state if you're not going to have Shabbos? How do you, how, how, in what way is it a Jewish state? It's a state with a bunch of Jews in it. But how is it a Jewish state if there is, if Shabbos isn't part of the system? If you don't recognize it and celebrate it and at least recognize it as a country? Okay, there's a big difference between recognizing it and celebrating. Okay? Okay. So if, 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 let's say you would have, uh, and as we had here in Skokie, I felt it a celebration and a relishing of Shabbat, of Shabbos. And that's going to be, uh, again, I don't know what the uh, statistical percentage is. I think it's probably, is it 25% of, 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 of Medina Yisrael, Medina Yisrael keeping Shabbos? 25, 30%? I'm talking about halachic Shabbos, not just not working. So let's say 25, 30. I, I'd like to be Malamid Swiss and say it's uh, 75 and 80%, but I know that's not the case. But let's say, I'm, I'm going to say without any knowledge that's 35%. 35, maybe even close to 40. So then we have 60%, a very large majority. Not keeping it, but being forced to keep it in what you call that way. Is that really the national character of a, of a, of, of a country keeping Shabbos? Where there's people who are grumbling, like you say, oh, everything's closed and I can't get what I want. And no, and, and basically, you know, they're, 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 you know, they are uh, surfing, uh, the, the thousand channels and, and podcasts that they're able, uh, to, to, to center in on. Is that called the identity of the country keeping Shabbos? 
I mean, that seems to me somewhat hollow. Well, if you have a small percentage feeling it, and the rest of them are just this dangling appendage that really there's no feeling for, is that really a country that, oh, look at our identity, we're keeping Shabbos? Well, you, you say, uh, you know, I like to say that the Vertol, that the word Tzibor is made up of Tzadikim Beninim Urashayim, Tzadik Beis Resh. When when you have it, Seabor, when you have and the vav is those people who don't know where they well, are. Well, that's right? the vav. That's the, the, the vav. And, the people, yeah. the and people, right? Yeah, the, with <laughs> the common, without the common. Yeah. <laughs> but when you have when you have a whole community, even in the shul, why do we have a why do we have a minion of ten? Because we, you have to have a a um, group of people, and together the group of people approaches Hashem as a group rather than as a number of individuals. And we say uh, the Gemara tells us increases that in the in the Ketoris, they put in the chalbana, they put in the awful smelling um, spice because kol tainus Yisrael. Whenever you have a fast day, you have a day of mourning. If you don't have sinners present, you don't have a true representation of, of what you are and who you are, and it's not considered a tainus, meaning if you get ten sadiqim okay, together, right, even so as a minion, I, even tainus, though, I, 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 Well, so let me bring this back okay. to... Let me bring this. Okay, no, okay. You, you can't just put something on the table and then bring it back. Hang on. If you say... <laughs> I know That's we're exactly on a, what I can do. Okay. In, in, in the Illinois uh, Center for Jewish Studies, when uh, you're the only guy talking, yes, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, I thought I when, was the only guy talking. <laughs> yes, there is, there, I, I, there is a bladder content here. But, um, what do you say about verbiage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll, get out the, uh, I'll get out my... Uh, we'll thesaurus? <laughs> my thesaurus, yes. <laughs> but here's the point. Means that a person who hasn't yet done tshuva is still there fasting. He's still out there. He's still coming to shul. And you say, "What's this guy doing here? Do we want this guy here?" Well, he senses. What, why is there a tainus? A tainus comes because of a national tragedy that might loom, because of an army, because of a hurricane, because of a drought, because of a famine. They all sense it. And everybody comes to shul to daven, or they blow shofar, they take out the sefer Torah, they bring it out. And here we have a person who's clearly not yet. Had done tshuva, he's still called a poshea, but he's here also to appeal to God. So there, Chazal are telling us we need everybody. In the case, this wait, is wait, exactly wait, 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 but in the case of Shabbos, we still I didn't, I didn't explain the other we side yet. We haven't done anything. What we've done it's is... not true. We've cr- taken a country, we've taken a country, and we've put all the Jews inside, and in the, they're all present, just like the guy shows up in Shul, they showed up in the country. These are people who could have, showed up. They we, could be in Uganda. No, they're in they're, Eretz Yisrael because this is the Jewish state, and when you put together re- very religious people and less religious people and non-religious people, you put them all together, they become the Jewish people as the Sibor, and then as long as you have people who are able to observe Shabbos, as even when you have the Shabbos observers, that makes everyone part of Shabbos and part of the Torah. Ha- part there has the to be an element, there has to be a mental element that connects them, and that mental element isn't there if they're not keeping it. Again, I, 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 it's Shabbos. They have to keep Shabbos because Shabbos is a different day. Stores are closed and and uh, the buses aren't running. I'm just using those as examples. But that creates a recognition of Shabbos, which for some people is less um, it's, less it's ultimately, meaningful. Ultimately a cowardly recognition of Shabbos. I mean, what's, listen, the idea, the Shabbos... But there's something you can the, point the to. Shabbos, you can say. Okay, so historically, the Shabbos machlokat is something that is as old as the, as the beginning of the Medina, right? The Shabbos riots 
go look or read a little bit about it, the history. Again, we're here in comfortable Skokie, but if we read a little bit about, we read a little bit about, <laughs> thanks. We read, if we read a little bit about the history of our country, of this country, the country that we love, Medina Yisrael, and we know about the issues, most of them were reactive. We have a, a, a Haredi population, a front population, a, a population that feels the mitzvot, against a population that is unlearned and is a socialist and really is, 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 doesn't want to accept. And then you basically have uh, crisis management. How are we going to work it out? And then the government says, well, we'll maybe close this street, or maybe oh, Haifa is different. All of that is really, uh, it's, it's a sociological uh, solution with, uh, with full of problems. We need, a, we need to step back and say, what is not, not how does Shabbos, how do we deal with Shabbos in a political situation in a country to make sure that these people are happy, or as you say, to satisfy the Jewish character of the state of Israel. We have to think about what does Shabbos mean for a state. The well, state of Israel is already a novel. How do you answer the question, though, of, of the, the question is, how is it a Jewish state it's, if you're not recognizing the most basic okay. elements so of the Kaddish we, Shabbos. Okay, so we need to go back and say, what does it mean, when you have a state? That hasn't been asked. Instead of saying, I'm living here, you created a state, how can I live halachically? What we need to do is actually put the microscope and think about, in a halachic way, in a big thinking way, what does a state mean according to halacha? The idea, and again, I, I, this is not me talking, the, uh, this is the ideas that I culled from uh, uh, Shai Leibowitz, that's Nechama's, uh, Nechama Leibowitz, of course, is uh, studied everywhere, but her brother uh, studied less prevalent in America, but in Eretz Yisrael, one of the really uh, uh, important thinkers. I, I, again, I don't, I, I'm not saying that I'm an expert in his thought, but I read this many years ago, even before I met you, and it still resonates true to me. The idea that you have a, a, a from community that the, is depending on non-religious Jews running the country for them, being machal Shabbos for them, uh, running services, uh, and they have their comfortable cocoon of a life is really, it's not, that is the point where we're not really living together. We need to halachically, we, we need to halachically feel the same way there is a war. When you have a war, it's one of the most terrible things in the world. Well, everybody will tell you what's the most important principle of Jewish life is bikuach nefesh. And yet, we send people to war, we send people into the most dangerous situations where, I'll be, oh, look, I can't do that. Uh, it's, it's a sakana. How can I put myself into even suffering sakana? And yet, we send soldiers, young people into battle in order, in, in a way where the chances of them dying are great. Then the answer, the minchas that you have here on the table, I don't know if you realized that I was going to use it against you, but the minchas <laughs> says that the idea of a war is, is, is a halachic difference between life without a war. War, by definition, we can't live unless we're, when we're threatened but, by another that nation. Is so the jinn of pikuach nefesh don't apply. It's not the pikuach nefesh so doesn't apply. That is. That's the system for where you... The halachos of pikuach nefesh don't apply because in a system of war, the basis of the war is the fact that you are going to endanger yourself. The basis of a country... Okay. In a, we have to think the same way about a, a country. A country in the 21st century is a country that can't exist without certain 
Hillel Shabbos services. It sounds like you're means, promoting Hillel Shabbos. It's, it's, that's the whole Validating. point. You just said a second ago, it's not considered pikuach. It's not, it's halachically correct. You, a, a, a you're Medina, saying pikuach nefesh? It's not, it's, it's, it's not, you don't even have to say pikuach nefesh. A Medina has a different halachic cadence to it. And therefore, the people who should be running the, 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 the services should be the guys with the, which should be the frumous people. Nah. The people in beards and You pace. can do this without Achil Shabbos. You can have, you can have non-Jewish people running all these you, uh, things. Okay. Do we want non-Jewish people running the essential services in Medina Yisrael? Is that what we want? All right, we want these. It the can be done without Chil Shabbos. You can do it. You can do it electronically. It's not Chil Shabbos. It's my whole point, my friend. My point is, is that it's not Chil Shabbos. Of course, Shabbos. it's Chil Shabbos. No, it's not. I it doesn't have a shame. Chil Shabbos. It's the same way. First of all, the, the whole the whole idea sounds like some uh, grandiose utopian uh, um, kind of that that somehow we're so this country requires such self-sufficiency on the part of the Jewish we people need, that... We, we, need, uh, we need real thinking. We need halachic thinking. And again, Shai Libut shouldn't be leading the charge. It should be, it should be the Rabbonim. It should be the Rabbi Yashivs. You, you it have, should be the place... Th- that's, not, that's, that's not going to happen. We're not going to have anyone who's going to say that in order to run a country, it becomes pikuach nefesh, it becomes the system, it becomes this. And so therefore we're going to promote... Okay. There is, there, there are sources to it. Everybody, you know, one of the, at best you'll get the waterworks okay. and, and reading railroad. Uh, how, how are you going to get the, well, the buses running on Shabbos so that you have a fully functional country becomes part of that? Right, I'm about to put a hotel on Park Place here, okay? Because the <laughs> I think you're about to pa- pass go and go to jail without collecting two hundred dollars. The uh, the, uh, the 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 great thinker Benedictine uh, of uh, of Barcelona, I believe, right? The Ron of Corona. Sorry, got it. Benedictine uh, of Corona, the Ron. So, in one of his uh, most uh, famous droshes, uh, Ron, and one of one of his droshes there, he lays out clearly that even the halachos that we have. Of the mishpatim of Einar Mochavero that are so detailed in Parshas Mishpatim uh, and in other places in the Torah, say for Dvarim, don't begin to really uh, encircle a complete Jewish life. If we would run our halachic life based on the mishpatim of the Torah, there would be incredible holes. Now, the Ramban says, I mentioned this to Ben yesterday, last night, the Ramban says that we're supposed to take whatever we know in halacha and, and uh, extract and elaborate and create uh, a, a great vision. That's what Sisa Yoshevato. The Ramban says, go wait, 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 the, the Ramban says realistically there existed, even in the time of, uh, of David HaMelech, of Shlomo HaMelech, of even Chizkiyo HaMelech, there could have been Mashiach, there existed a separate order of law, the order of the Melech, who made political uh, decisions, and those two existed simultaneously. But there was a certain area where the king could make decisions by Chizkiyot, we're told it wasn't an that area. from Beersheba to Dan, every man, woman, and child knew the laws of Tuma and Tahara. Of course, they that, studied Torah. Right? <laughs> and that means that it was a fully religious country that was running by religious okay. laws. You, you actually the, just proved my point. An army... You, an actually, army. you actually just proved my point. I don't if, think... If, no, if the Ran is correct, that at the time of Chizkiyot, that you had... But the, where does it say that with Milchal Shabbos, that they were doing, that they were... An army needs 
needs to run. That's again, we no, don't control Snapfish. We're not. We're not all the, the soldiers need to do what they're doing. The, the, but for to have the civil services to have mail. Hold on. What mail had, coming what on. What you Shabbos? had was a system that made a country work. Countries can work with a day off. Countries can work with a day off. Any country. It was a. It was a. It was a country that we understood how it worked halachically, as opposed to the problem of. Right, but to say and that we should insert and within the, the system chil shabbos, I would assume yes. I would assume that if I would assume whatever was necessary to get that country worked happened. And they still learned, and they still knew Tuman Tyra, and they you still had incredible. You've proven issues. that they did this; that they had these limitations. You just again, I'm basing myself on the Ran, and the Ran is based on the logic that it was. How else could you comprehend a a, a nation, a commonwealth working? The Torah is not. What sufficient. would be an example of something which they did? Three thousand years ago, which perhaps would be a, again, perhaps they needed to carry uh, bricks in order to to build certain bricks. But we knew they took a brick on Shabbos to build the base of Mikdash. We so I'm going beyond the base of Mikdash. I understand. So in that terms means of day to day life, there was they work that went on. They didn't again, need to build bridges seven days a week. Okay, so I'm not saying that there should be complete. Uh, construction going on, but what there isn't that be, what you're what, saying. What, I, what I'm saying is the Medina has a halachic reality which doesn't need to be imposed upon it, but we need to know what it is. If the rabbanim are there working with the with, with the with the social planners and the politicians and the people who are the city thinkers, then we're going not then the feeling I think can move away. Right, but, but you've got that presumption that the rab- the rabbanim would recognize this perspective of. Of your halachic definition, I, I told Rabbi. I don't know if he's still here, but I told Rabbi Gelman I am the ultimate optimist in. Oh, hi there! I'm the ultimate optimist in the power of Torah, because this is really a Torah discussion. But this I'm is the one. The, you're making this sack. You need a real source. Where you got to get a Sanhedrin to to even suggest this idea. Just okay. throw it out there. All right. Well, again, if the the Sanhedrin isn't far from coming, what we need is that will of the Rabbonim, and I think once we have that, I think we'll be able to have a situation. It's a. Uh, um, <laughs> Just if if anyone would like to, before we go to the next uh, topic, if you'd like to raise some questions, please feel free to do so. One of the uh, new issues that's come up is the issue of marriage. Uh, I know that uh, we had is that that's new, Molly. It's a new no, thing uh, of, mar- of halachic marriages. Okay. I know that uh, my mother went to Israel for the first time before '67, just before the war. She went to the marriage of uh, the daughter of her first cousin. These were people that were workers. They were not. Uh, they were not kosher. Uh, excuse me. They were kosher, but they were not shomer shabbos. These were not. This was not a firm family. This was a labor Zionist family. They had a halachic marriage with a rabbi. It was never a question. I know many, many families that had that were not religious. There was not a question that the marriage was done through the rabbinate. Fast forward today, that that does not exist. That so many secular young people and dati people are not getting married. They're not getting married through the rabbinate in Israel. They're going to Cyprus. They're going to the United States. They're having civil marriages and then coming back to Israel. I want to ask you, why is this happening? Why did that? Why was that acceptable to people who were secular at a previous time? And why this is happening today? And how that should be dealt with? I think it is a huge chilul Hashem for Jewish young couples, both of them being Jews. They're not religious, not having 
a Masara Kedushan from the Rabbanut and not having a religious ceremony in Israel. Well, I... I, I because the question that was asked is that it seems that currently we have this growing rate of people who are rejecting the rabbinate system of marriage and going outside of it and get, either getting civil or going somewhere else to get a, even a Jewish marriage. So if I may go first, I think this is just simply a reflection of what we're talking about, which is that there are non-religious people who feel there's a... a um, I'm going to avoid using the word coercion. Instead, I'll use the word coercion. There's a coercion on the part of the uh, of the religious to try to force their system, their approach, and their and they feel like they're subjected to it. And nobody wants to feel like they're in. Yeah, how, there's no difference in how you're getting married, right? It's just. Some rabbi says, I pronounce you husband and wife, or some sea captain pronounces husband and wife. I'm saying in terms of the actual marriage, it doesn't hurt them to get married by religious, but they do feel like they're subject to uh, investigations and tests and all this other kind of stuff, and they feel like this is a religious perspective that you have. I don't recognize. And besides, like you said before, and you, rabbi, you don't send your kids to the army, so why should I, you know, and this, it, it's, it's a reflection of the general animosity. And, and, Question. My question is, is yeah, you do a good job at that. I just think the options have become more available now. So, uh, and now there's a greater, we, we've, we've, we've really resolved ourselves. These people say, that's them, this is us, and that's what we're going to do. I'm very familiar with the runaround. I was involved in the process. I just went through this. And people will be so much about They will present their parents to Suba. They will be a progeny of Holocaust survivors. And Hitler did his homework. He went to many generations. And I'm going to tell you something. Well, let's... Listen, the, 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 issue, the issue is definitely the issue, without question. We are recognizing the issue. The question is, though, how to resolve the general animosity that exists rather than the issue... There isn't anyone who's arguing that the runaround is too difficult, especially if you're not religious and you feel like, why am I... Well, I could do this so much more simply. But, that's certainly true. But, w-
I don't think we need to defend the Rabbanut here. No, actually, I think we need to step into the breach here. And I think part of it is really a basis of, uh, on, what, on the heels of what I was saying. You said before that... Uh, my, okay. I don't know if you can keep passing it on the mic. Use the mic. I'll just shout at you. Okay. It's all right. Yeah, I've got the throat problems. Um, I, I, I think your, your passion is... Uh, is, is very felt, and and, and there's definitely uh, there, there's something be, there's something that's very powerful in what you're saying. I, I think it really touches on something that we know that there have been. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday here in the shul or in or Torah it was uh, the various uh, scandals in Hashkocha uh, under the Rabbanu. Um There's also there's also been. Uh, which really, again, it's almost human nature. I, I don't think we need to put what, the Rabbanut on trial here. No. This is the, here's, they, they've got their system. We don't have to... What I'm saying is if we get the best people uh, and we get the best people out of... And we know that Rebel Yashiv's Atzal, whose yurt is coming up, and others were sometimes happy that the candidates for the chief rabbi, the Rabbanut, were actually not the type of scholars for Rabbi Unterman and others. They were great at people, they were great at, at, at being able to explain things, but they were not the great brain trusts. They were not the Teo Shekola Pios Poyenba. It wasn't the place where everybody would go to to find Aloha. If we get the greatest minds there working within it, and again, unfortunately, we, have a, we, we are afraid sometimes to say, he's a bigger than that person. This person has more mind. The best minds would be working on this, then I think that it would go more efficiently. I think the, the, they would understand, because, as she says, the leadership itself, from the top down, could even shred the type of red tape and other things that cloud and cause, like you say, almost uh, almost graft and other things that could happen within the system. No, but the I, best, I, if the best and the brightest, if the best being the main word, the brightest in terms of their intellectual capability, if they would be the, the, the in the Rabbanut, then I think we would have a completely different situation. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, the, the, these uh, utopian visions are kind of clouding the way here. There is an issue, I think, that, uh, that, that, that needs to be dealt with. We're not going to, um, the people aren't going to vote in all the rabbis that, that, know, that know what they're doing and know how to handle people and things like that. Im onu rotsim ain't agada. Okay. Yeah. What does it do forcing our will on this phenomenon? You get somebody, you lock him in a room for all Shabbat, so you keep, keep Shabbat, even if he doesn't want it. Does he get a scar? What's, what's the point so of saying that? It's a good. It's a good the question. Is well, what do we, what do we gain from it? Uh, the the thing. What I'm saying is not so much about what we gain from it, but we want to have a Jewish state. It's not what makes it a Jewish state. So what makes it Jewish? Just because Jews are living there. So that's the people. How is the state Jewish? He was supposed to be Mashiach. It's pretty close. Yeah. The, the Gemara tells us that Mashiach, that Chizki, 
that Chizkiyahu brought the people that they were ready for Mashiach, and then Sancherev came, and they had a war, and it was supposed to be Gog and Magog, and he won the war, and Mashiach was this close to coming, and the Gemara tells us that Chizkiyahu didn't sing Shira. And when he didn't sing Shira, that's it, the whole thing was cancelled. That's how, that, that's, because he was supposed to be Mashiach, Hiskio. But, but, but it, the, the question, but the question that I had asked Rabbi Kivalevich earlier was, if there is no recognition as a people of Shabbos, somehow, and we're not asking people, we're not walking around with police officers, um, stoning people who pick the bad lettuce from the good lettuce. We're not doing that. But without some general recognition of, of Shabbos, which is, even culturally, it's part of what the Jewish people are. Without that, it's hard to call it. I believe uh, that if you try to force people to do something, they actually go away from it. It's if true. Jews set an example by showing how wonderful Shabbat is, and by showing what kind of people they are. In Israel, they would draw more people in toward them, Right, but meanwhile, what do we do? Do we have do we have Shabbos not functioning throughout the country with the hopes that at some point people do a better job of uh, presenting Shabbos? I think that's. We're talking about a hundred years. We're talking about a hundred years of Chil Shabbos with the hope that it would eventually. Eat. I, I, I. Well, I, we, we do want the dem- we do want a democratic country. I think we, we as a people have always welcomed uh, all kinds of uh, people who aren't Jewish. We have a system for how we do things. No, here's the thing. If I'm Iranian Muslim, I'm not a good communist. It's going to take me uh, many years since I'm Iranian Jew. I just go and say, here is 20 paper. Somebody signed that. So I want to go to Israel, and I was going to be wrong. My father would sign me a piece of paper, and I would show them that we became Israeli citizens. Okay, I, 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 I hear I, I don't think that should be. Should we? We need to. We need right. to go to the next uh, topic again. You know, part of part of what we're trying to do here is open up the can and stir it up, and I think we've <laughs> and we've accomplished that. I, I, again, if I could just have just to just to respond to some of the comments here. Um, again, we don't we, we can't go back in a time machine and, and see what life in the Chizkio, what the life of Chizkio was. Um, but I think that it offers the hope, and not a utopian one. I, I, I actually don't believe that. I think saying the words like utopia really goes against the idea that uh, what we say in our davening, it's not, you can use pipe dream instead. Okay, whatever it is, even, that, even those terms create the sense that we are far from it and it can't be done. Language has a power. Again, we like putting barbs at each other, but you know we know that it's all in fun. But when we keep on saying, "Oh, that's utopian; that can't happen," I, I really believe that we can't cut through. Uh, I, 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 and, I, and I have a tremendous hope that it will happen. I do believe the best can make it happen. They ha- it made it happen in Google, 
that happened in Toyota before the Tanaka uh, business with the uh, with the airbags. But you take a look at successful companies. You take a look at successful uh, corporations that work and that and that develop. The best and the brightest are the ones that are setting the pace, creating the brand, creating the idea. I think if we do that, and it's not a, a, an indictment on the Rabbanut. What it is is a hope that we that the, that next generation is actually there at the forefront and being able to say the big, broad things that everybody's going to agree with. And I think when that occurs, just give me a second, if, when that occurs, I think, Avram, you're going to have less tension because essentially there's going to be, if not a, a validation of their life, there's going to be a sense, you're not my enemy, that you have actually thought about what we do and there's a halachical aspect. It's actually, you have created, you've explained to me what it means to live in a Medina according to halacha. What is a Medina according to halacha? And I think then you actually can uh, start putting out the fire and then I think the army issues will matter less and I think then there is, there is a hope. Okay. Could you lead us into the next topic? Okay. I'm always ready to lead, Carmen. Always ready to lead you. Um, <laughs> I'm almost always ready to follow. <laughs> Actually, um, Depends you know, how Kyle, Carmen, I think, in, 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 when did we, we started this about 15 years ago. Um, just a little bit of a background. Uh, I, uh, is, is Cold Tube still around? Is Cold Tube yeah. still around? Okay, so Common's brother was working in Koltuv, and uh, that was uh, one of the you know, premier uh, kosher stores here, and I was shopping there, and Common's older brother, and I would engage in conversation, and he would say, you know, my brother is moving here soon. He just got married. Uh, he needs somebody like you. I mean, he really, uh, he's <laughs> gone through shots, and he's like, uh, he's got, uh, you know, he feels he's got the world on a plate. He needs somebody like you to, uh, is, to talk to. Is that how he said it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he said he's got the world on a plate, but something like that. Yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, well, that's interesting. Okay, you know, that would be interesting. Uh, I, I, I didn't give it much thought. Uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, we, I was one of the uh, starting, uh, the, the founding members of, I, I think it's still pretty uh, popular, uh, the Ruben Shaskolo. Uh, it's right next to your store there, as you know. It's housed in uh, uh, the beautiful shul in downtown, in, uh, by on Devon, of our Eichenstein shul. And our purpose was to have a, uh, a group of fellows learning uh, the Dafyomi Be'iyun. It was the Shaskoa. Dafyomi, of course, we know is done at a very quick uh, pace. We were going to be uh, the experts, so to speak, that would spend three hours on each page and we would be called when necessary uh, to come and give shiurim. Uh, Rabbi Cohen, who used to give the shir here uh, in the morning at the Young Israel, what is that building now? I don't know exactly, but what is it? Is, 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 is it? They sell. It's oh, it's the it's Mizrahi building. So Rabbi Cohen called me. I remember Rosh Hashanah and Daf Yudalif. I think uh, there was a couple of things that we would be called for, and there was a young gentleman, a young fellow there, the youngest of the group, uh, that was also part of that afternoon Hevra. And I went over, uh, you know, because I and spoke with him. And it was from there that we became uh, chavrutas, actually learning uh, uh, the Gemara. And there was a, uh, I remember there was one day that we did a 12 
blot of Zvochim, I think, <laughs> in one day. So it was from there that I felt I, I met this fellow twenty years of my junior, and we had this, you know, we we had a great repartee. And uh, I, I, when the idea of the program came up, I said, "Hey, you know, we're not going to call it uh, point counterpoint. We're going to call it the chavrusa, not chavrusas, but the chavrusa because of what what it does together." So I, I, I you know, sitting here and seeing, of course, uh, part of what what you've been able to do here in the Illinois uh, Center for. Uh, Jewish studies, uh, it really gives me, uh, I wax somewhat strong with pride a little bit about, uh, seeing that, uh, what, what you've been doing, um, and, and not just sitting and, and finishing shots on your own, uh, but actually teaching and, and taking Torah, uh, and, and developing. So I think, you know, since the program was about 14 years ago, whatever it was, 13, 14 years ago, maybe it's worthwhile to uh, re-examine one of the things that we talked about way yeah, back it's then. It's interesting you say that because I, we, we had a number of years ago, we had this big debate over the merits of Dafyomi. And I remember, uh, um, as far as I can recall, you weren't such a big fan of the Dafyomi Shiurim as they are now. Right. Um, basically, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly, your argument was that, that uh, it's not enough time, people can't really get a, a really strong hold on their learning, right. and you're compromising on learning. Uh, but the thing you is, I, I've, accurately. I've heard a rumor that uh, you've been giving a Dafyomi Shiur for the last five years. Yes. And uh, does that mean that you've recanted on your uh, previous position on the, in terms of the purpose and merits of Dafyomi? Okay, well, life definitely throws strange curves at people, as we know. Uh, and sometimes they end up... Uh, Knuckleballs. Yeah, sometimes interesting place. Um, I, I saw Jerry Montrose. Is he still here? Is he still here? Did he go? Aaron Montrose. Um, he was here before. The Mo- Jerry Montrose? Aaron Montrose. Anyway, so he was actually part of a shear that I started here. Uh, in, is it still, what's it called? The Wi-Fi building? Is that what they call it there? Yeah. The Wi-Fi building? So I started a shear there. Kalman actually, I think, took it over after I left. It's, still, it's not going anymore, is it? Someone has to clean up. Yeah. Somebody has to clean up. So actually what I suggested at the time was something that was historically, uh, and even the Chafetz Chaim, uh, in a number of places, felt that was a, a much better option uh, for a person who has a limited time to learn, was to basically learn the, the masterpiece of Rabitzak al-Fasi, of the city of Fez, Morocco, the Rif, as it's known, which is a, a condensation of the Talmud, that retained, unlike the Rambam and other books that sort of refashioned the Talmud, it retained uh, a lot of the crucial language and the crucial names and the people. And for again, historically, you can see that the Rif was the most prevalent book that was studied by what we would call the Balabatim of learning. They studied Rif. The idea that they, in a limited amount of time, would be able to actually wrap their heads around the whole Gemara and the Shakavataria uh, was really uh, reaching too far and therefore losing everything. So at that time, I actually started this year here, the Riff Yomi, and um, I, that's what I felt was probably the best option, or much less. So that is true, and I still believe that. But However, you are giving the Daf Yomi. Oh, I am giving it. And, and part of it is because... You can't fight uh, the success. You have to sometimes, as you were saying before, about being a realist. Uh, eventually, I think this thing can change, but at this point, the power of Dafyomi is so strong that uh, I committed myself to do the Dafyomi in order to give my shear that I give after the Dafyomi. 
In other words, right, in other words, I need to bring people to the table. So in order to bring people to the table, I've got to sell the cotton candy. I've got to sell the ice cream. I've got to sell what's there. And then I'm able to do what I think after. I said, okay, now we've done the dop, and now we have the next half hour, we're going to be learning. And, and I have to tell you, what is it that I do with them the next half hour? We do uh, a much slower halakhic learning and analysis of the Mishnaburah and the main sources. And I can tell you that the life changes that occur from my group out in New Jersey is incredible. Well, you're, 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 you're doing a different so, system than the typical Dafyomi. Uh, and is that your answer, that you've somehow no, added no, no, this? No, because no, 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 my t- it's not a t- different system. There are, again, I, I've had people that have stopped on the way to Newark Airport and listened to the Dafyomi, people on the way back from Lakewood. They come into the Dafyomi and then they tell me, you know, you should take this. I mean, if you'd be in Lakewood, you'd have 75, 80 people every night. I'm, I'm doing the Dafyomi and giving it everything I can. But I'm giving it everything I can because my purpose is to get the people to learn. But in I, general, I am not, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take down the monolithic, gargantuan, super smiling uh, Dafyomi uh, image because that is going to be where everybody goes to when they're making when they're making these popular songs of doing the Daf and doing the Daf. I'm part of the Daf. Well, I, I can't fight that. I can tell them about the greatness of of the Omud, the Rif. It's going to be like Don Quixote pushing the windmill. But what I can do, and so that's the reason why I've joined in there. And, and again, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have called the Dafyomi the windmill, but you did say it. So I'm saying and, it's the, the windmill because, as we know, uh, Dafyomi is like taking a, a great road trip. It's like the road trip I had out here, okay? So you happen to stop in one place and, and you see the bus of, uh, of the Amish. And you stop another place and you see the biggest hamburger uh, of all time, right? But did you really see America? Okay, wherever you made your stop, a couple I, of points seeped in. I, but there, there, you're, that is seeing America. That's all that you're doing. In many cases, and... and and I compliment you for making that shift and adjustment within your shear. But for most people, when they do study Dafyomi, they're just, I mean, the people who are learning and learning, the people are preparing, the people are doing it for more than, uh, you know, an hour after with people reviewing or reading papers on it. All that, we're not discussing those people. But those people who make it that they're only learning is one hour a day where they sit through someone who lectures on topics which they may or may not be able to carry with them. And that's their learning their whole life. And I, I guess um, it, it's hard to really support and, and Again, build that up, that kind of uh, image of... Uh, so again, your question to me is uh, that I have been somewhat not true to my ideals. So, okay, I want to put the question back on you for a second, all right? So you have been involved, how many years have you been doing these, po- I know you took over from me some of my shiurim, but when was it was about 10 years you've been doing this? Okay, so a, a, in a perfect world, in a world where you have things the way you want, how much of your learning would be your own steiging, your own personal time? And how much would be the, the, the public shiurim where you sometimes have to water stuff down and sometimes have to think how you're going to present it? I'm asking the same question, right? If, if you could, would you be spending less time giving your public shiurim? Well, I don't think teaching. Teaching is part of learning. Lilmo de lalame, lishma velasas. It's all well, you were teaching me is part of learning. But I'm talking you were about specifically going into the daf, which is this big system that has 
uh, overtaken okay, learning this is, this is, and somewhat mitigated and, and, and compromised on the learning. Okay, and now that, you've joined yeah, You're like system. Barry Sanders in the backfield here because uh, trying to avoid the tackler because, okay, and I don't know if everybody else noticed the shift here. I'm asking you again. I, I was honest with you. I said like this. I, I, I give it my best shot. I'm more shot. Steve Young running the... Yeah, okay. All right. That big run. That's right. Yeah. Steve Young, well, he had a lot of big runs, I think. Yeah, we uh, had one big one. Yeah, he had one big one in one Super Bowl. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. Here's my thing. Uh, evading the, here's the point. We all have, as teachers in the world that we're at, we know that part, we can't just be selfish. On the other hand, some of the stuff we teach, it might not be what we think needs to be taught. How much of what you're doing do you think is that? Uh, how mu- or how much is it I'm giving them what they want and I need to package it in order to maybe uh, insert some I'd like some elements to s- of myself. I'd like to feel that it's very little of that. The most of it is you have the freedom to do what you want. In terms or, of your- or that I feel that this would be of benefit and I don't feel like I have to teach something which I wish I would be teaching something different, which, which is really the question. When you're teaching Davyomi, do you feel like, I wish I could be teaching only a line a day or, or, or ten lines a day, rather than feel like I have to run through this. I mean, we're talking, I think I said this at the, the time we discussed this last time. When we, when, what, during Zvachim and Menachos, you're talking about three quarters of a year of people almost not learning anything. <laughs> right. Right. If I, almost not learning anything. Right? I mean, talk to the, the typical. If you're, if you're that guy, if you're reading yourself, if you're looking at it afterwards. But if you're just listening to a shear, yeah, you have to wonder whether or not this this system works for today's person who doesn't have the time to follow up. Rabbi Shapiro had this brilliant idea. Was talking about Jews learning the daf all day. Okay. Not so we should actually mention here, actually in that program, somewhere in Neptune, they're probably hearing uh, the, the sensorial tones of uh, someone who's not with us anymore, a great teacher uh, and a tremendous Talmud Klochem. I learned a lot from him in terms of the dignity of being a, of being a, a person in learning. Uh, Rabbi Tarshish, you might remember Rabbi Tarshish. And he actually came and spoke uh, in our, our studios and he gave, he talked about the history of Dafyomi and what it was about. The main thing uh, that was being stressed was the unifying force of Dafyomi. Uh, the idea that, you're right, that person in Zvochem might not really get the exact Shaklavataria, but when he meets that other person, he is connected in a way where they don't have to look at the type of kippot they're wearing. They don't have to look at the uh, other issues that might separate who they voted for. But they actually have this bonding aspect. True, it might be in a way um, uh, not exactly deep. Well, if I remember correctly, he said, you know, two Jews meet on a train. That's right. And they both just learned the daf. That's right. But today, two Jews are meeting on the train, other than the Long Island Railroad, where there's a Dafyomi right. share on the on the train. Um, otherwise, people are meeting today, and they're sh- they're showing each other the latest uh, viral video. They're not showing each other the latest app. Right. Okay. But but the but the idea of having a unifying learning really does more than the content. And I think I have come to appreciate in the years that I've given the DAF that we have a connection. One of the things I think is, one thing I've been frustrated by is that, you know, we haven't, in Baba Basra, we're coming up, it's 180-something blot. 70. 100, 
176, thank you. Um, so we haven't had a seum in a long time. And one of the things that, that I have found doing the Dafyomi is that it's hard to get people to come to a seum. Uh, it's because, hey, I do this privately. I don't want to necessarily be part of it. Uh, what is this? You're trying to get money from me? No, no. <laughs> I, 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 the idea of the celebratory aspect of coming together and learning. You know, I, I met a, a radiologist, a Harvard radiologist on the street. I was going to, going to visit somebody in a nursing home on Shabbos, and he was coming back from seeing someone. And I said, you know, oh, I haven't talked to you, but we've been thinking about the same thing for the last five years. Most, so much we have been mentally connected in, in, in such a way, because he also uh, gives the doc as well. So I think that uh, that is something that age has helped me understand. That despite the fact that I think that there are better options, I think that that's the reality we're dealing with, that, that, that monolith. And that monolith can create a commonality of thought. And that could allow us to have civil and real interactions no, and conversations. I, I still think you're, you're using an example of, of yourself, a, uh, a scholar and uh, maybe a gentleman too. And, uh, and this other um, doctor who's, who's also learned, and I think you write for the Rabbanim. But in terms of, uh, you know, we, I do agree with you though. Um, in one thing today, yeah. right. that we do need, we do need more of these unifying factors. We do need things so which, when a Jew meets so a I, Jew, so again, getting back to you with with the tackle, I think that maybe this is something that you could learn from as well. That sometimes, now again, as as as, as much as you, you sometimes need to know what is it that you can't tackle you, someone in the end zone. <laughs> You mean in your own end? No, it's not a safety. Your own end. But here's the point. Sometimes I think what I've learned in my experience, and I know you've always been able to learn from people that are older than you, uh, not necessarily wiser. And that is that sometimes you need to. And again, Zerushimshin is a great thing because Common Watch has got the creativity to to sell it. Sometimes what you have to think about is this is the product that people are are wanting. What can I do to present it in a way where I can insert? those elements that make them stronger. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is, is, is age teaches you that. Uh, the people that are trying to create the revolutions, um, their voices get drowned out. So I, I, I really think age has taught me to be able to, yeah, I think my... Be a little more cynical uh, about that. No, but I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I have a person who comes to Madafiomi on Shabbos. And he says, I, during the week, I listen to, um, it's either the living daf or the daf, uh, one of these things that a person does it as, on a podcast. Uh, actually, you can see him. And I know this guy. Uh, I know him very well because uh, we work in Deershu together. And uh, daf Achaim, it's called. Yeah, daf Achaim. It's good, isn't it? He's very good. Don't you love the charts? Okay. So, uh, Shlomo, Shlomo Schwartzberg, Schwartzfeld, is the is the... I can't remember every name. Okay, so Shlomo Schwartzfeld is my good friend, from, and he's finished Shas a number of times, and he's a therapist as well. And he does, so I, I actually uh, see him in a, uh, on a frequent basis, and I say to him, well, you know, you, you have here this Amora that's only mentioned this time in Shas. He's only mentioned twice in Shas. He's only mentioned here and in one other place. Don't you think it would be interesting for the person to hear where he's here, or, 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 or wait, wait, wait. So he said to me, you know what, they don't want to hear that. I've only got 40 minutes, I, I can't put any historical aspects in there at all. I think that's what I've been able to do in my daf. 
is what I'm able to do is actually to make these people come alive. In other words, the, the, the Kutzka Rebbe said that when you learn a piece of Gemara, it should be like Abaya and Rova are talking to you. It shouldn't just be information. I think that what I have been able to do, because of my historical background, because of my interest, I've been able to take stuff, like you say, Zvachim Menachas to make it dry, but you know what? Those characters are interesting. You know, I know that, again, I might not catch all the repartee of what they're saying, but boy, I really love the way, you know, uh, I really love the way Costello moves around, the way Abbott slaps him, right? In other words, Lahavdil. I'm making these people alive. I'm making Rabbi Yechon and Rish Lakish come alive. That's from I'm, the uh, Who's on Kedushin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the point. You need to make them, and, and if I can do that, then I've already accomplished something. Because what I've done is they're not dead and old. They're alive. When I see Rabbi Yermia, my my chevron are jumping out of the seats. Because they know Rav Yirmi is going to give us a tough question. Right. When they see Rav Yirmi... And, and get thrown out of base measure. That's right. 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 And, we'll, and we'll see what brings so, them back. So we just want to uh, turn to the guy. Before we close, are there any other uh, closing questions? Let's try to focus yeah, on questions. Like One thing regarding the Napoleon. Sure. You're talking about the ones who are teaching it and presenting it. And the learners. The people who are, the people who are attending. I think that Kodesh Morku somehow at this point in time he wanted to make available to the masses, you might call anonymous not just learned people. So the art, the arts will change into existence, and with the everybody who is attending a dafyomi has a volume of the art school, and they're following the magichir, and whether they retain it or not, you really are not going to retain it because you're only looking at it one time. But you are getting a lot of ideas, Tuna Tahara, whatever Indian it might be. It's a unbelievable period in Jewish history. I'm not talking about the Magishir, but the 100,000 people who come to a seum, and they're representing not only 100,000, but there's hundreds, another 100,000 or more that are, haven't come. This is something that has spread through the world. That Jews are united. Yeah, Any show that you go to, likely that there is some dafyomi that's given, and people are reading with the art scroll. They're looking at it, not just listening. It is penetrating. You might not be. It's not might. You definitely are not retaining. Well, this is such a tremendous time. But I don't think we're anyone's expecting retention. The question is: uh, is there is there a certain level of comprehension? Would it be the same if there was an Amud Yomi or if there was okay, so a? Can I, a, a, this, uh, can I, you know, I right behind Mr. Cohen, uh, Mr. Dordek, and Mr. Sutker, who from my Amud Yomi from way back. Um, you remember what we did, right? We did about an Amud a day. What, what, what did you think? Did you think that that was a, a, a much better system? Say yes. <laughs> well, uh, because uh, we took time with the Gemara. We, uh, you, you explained it to us, and we tried to understand it. We asked questions, we had arguments and fights. <laughs> you the other show. Right. So, so, so it actually. But, but, but we were learning something. I, I, firstly, very briefly tried that film. It goes too fast, too fast. 
And if I had four or five hours to sit down and learn the DAF, that would be okay, right. but I don't. So, but and, 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 the system worked very well. We covered a lot of the more. We learned a lot. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. It's really some of the best teaching and learning that I ever did was in, in that church. Again, I, I, I regret a lot of, of, of leaving Chicago, but I think that year is probably the thing that I regret the most. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'll repeat the question. I, I think this question actually addresses both topics, which is I think what you what you end up having in really the underlying issue of all both, both topics we discussed, which is that we need this unifying factor amongst the Jewish people, whether it's the issues of uh, religious observance or how we're studying Torah. There is there is a there is a failure. There is a cutoff in this connection between. With, that we have, and the underlying sinas chinam, which is supposed to be there instead of avas, which is there instead of what's supposed to be there, which is avas Yisrael, I think is the major issue. And I would say, you know, what can we do about it? that? Is our biggest issue, I believe. And Rabbi you can disagree with me if you if you wish to, although it would be counterproductive to my point, which is that if we would all just get along. For even just a moment, in which case you can't disagree with me, if we would all just get along for a moment, that would be it. All our problems would be solved. Larry, Larry can, I, can I do a sort of a, uh, a rabbinical um, loop-de-loop on that? Um, Chazal say, again, the Pesach says, we said it every day in Kriya Shema. Right? What's the next Pesach? Very good. I've said Kriya Shema a couple of times in my life. So, Chazal say, what is the way to accomplish this? To love the unknowable in a way. To love the invisible. To love something that, especially if your life has been shattered, it's hard, you don't see it, you have issues, dysfunctioning. But it has to be complete and total. So, v'hayu hadvarim Take these words, these words of wisdom, learn them, study them. That is the method for Avas Hashem. Now, if the method of Avas Hashem, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm prejudiced because I'm a teacher and because I've been in this world for so many years. But I know from my connection to these men that their love of the Jewish people, the people who learn Torah, their love is, is, is incredible. I talked about Rav Kook Satzal on Shabbos and others. And the ones that I was close to, Rav Dali Schwartz, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, the, the, the Godot, Rav Heinemann, who, who, who I called out of the blue for a Hashgacha question, he spent two hours on the phone with me explaining to me how we can be matir um, in, in the nursing home that I'm the Rabbi Machshar for, how we can be matir uh, frozen broccoli, despite all the issues of, of bugs and things in them. What? That was the problem. The nursing home did not want to expend the money on that. So Rav Heinemann explained to me carefully, according to Aloha, I was a student so many years ago. I called him out of the blue. I got his number. 
and he spent two hours on the phone with me, it, was, it wasn't just because he loved the scientific uh, explanation uh, and, and how the halach and science interfaces, it was his Avas Yisrael. So I do believe, Larry, that Avas Yisrael comes from Torah. It comes, Avas Hashem comes from Torah, and Avas Yisrael, as I told Rabbi Gelman before, I don't care about your kippah, I don't care about your ad, we're talking about the same thing. What we're talking about is not political, what we're talking about is, is figuring this thing out together. And I don't care about your skirt length, and I don't care about the kippah, what I care about is us working together and being able to use your minds, our minds, in unison. And I think that, I, I think that those things will, if, 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 it's, if, if it's about that, I think it can happen. When I was near to Yisrael, um, uh, I'm gonna, th- this story is worth it. When I was in Eretz Yisrael in 1977, um, 76, 77, I uh, needed to get someplace very fast. And they told me about a tender driver uh, who you can get at a moment's notice. Do they still have tenders in Eretz Yisrael? I don't know. But um, you know, the tender driver came and picked me up. My, my tender driver came and picked me up. And he said that I'm lucky... You know that he's able to do this because usually on Rosh Chodesh he drives, uh, he makes a special run up to uh, Yam Kinneret, and he picks up uh, a, a number of rabbonim. They were Sfardim, Charedim, as we would say, Mafdalim, and they all went on erev Rosh Chodesh together, and they go up to the Yam Kinneret to daven and Bitova from all different aspects. And it was a so that I found this out, that it was a, a Rav Sharabi, and it was the, a, a, a Rav Mizrahi, a, a, a teacher in Hebrew. They all came together as a group, without the noise, to daven, to learn, and to be toivel. That type, that image, is so powerful to me, so many years later. And I think it's something that, part of what we're trying to build here, I think if that, if we work with that, I really believe we get the Rabbanut that we deserve, and, and, and we really get a connection in Torah that is, that is, it is real. That it's not just being part of a club, but it's actually being elevated. And you're right, it's being elevated into knowing God. So we're just going to take one, one last question. Okay, so, um, we're technically out of time, so, uh, Mr. Shem, anyone wants to stay afterwards? We are going to uh, bench now for whoever needs to bench. And Mr. Shem, Rabbi Kivalov will be here for a few more minutes to uh, take questions. Thank you, everyone, for coming. We hope you have a good time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 